Hey yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox postgame show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into the CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. You are seeing Studio A, lovely, lovely Studio A here in our CHGO offices I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. And alongside me, as always, my co-host, Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's a CHGO White Sox community leader. And as Sheba Doge says in the comments, no longer undefeated in the Cascade era. The White Sox are now 4-1. and one. Post cascade, still a great record, Herb. But the White Sox lose tonight, three to two against those vaunted bastard Astros. How are you feeling? Weirdly enough, not frustrated. Giving up only three runs to the Astros is a win, especially how Michael Kopech pitched uh, early on, and to only score two runs is typical White Sox. So. Framber was decent, not necessarily on his game, but I was going to be shocked if the White Sox were swept this series. So losing sucks, and since the Guardians and the Twins lost or won, the White Sox lose some ground on both of them. Now they're two games behind the Cleveland Guardians, who have an off day tomorrow, so they cannot, when I'm in Cleveland on Friday, take over first place, which would have been so sweet when I'm in attendance. But... Um, no, sometimes you're going to lose games. You're going to win 60, you're going to lose 60, Sean. Yeah. So what you do we, with the other four to two? We Mercy. do know that. Uh, this is going to be easily into the loss column for the Sox. And this, looking at this game, I mean, it's not exactly like, you know, Monday night's game and Tuesday night's game, but it's exactly like if they didn't have the late inning magic. Like the White Sox had the same exact shtick. Yep. Let's hit some singles. Let's hit some singles. Let's hit some singles. Let's have some great pitching and let's play decent defense. The White Sox, uh, and don't think made some, you know, really ugly errors. There was the one play Romy didn't make, but outside of that, nothing really sticks out for the White Sox in the bad department. It's just, again, your team, didn't hit fly balls. Your team didn't hit home runs. Your team is allergic to hitting extra base hits. So, and, you know, it's just frustrating watching this offense do this again. I mean, and I know we're going to bring it up a little later, but another bases loaded, nobody out situation, and uh, the White Sox get one run. Right. That's unacceptable. It's just very sad that, you know, the sequence before, where he's just walking and he's on the ropes in Framber Valdez. And then we go up there swing at the first pitch, GIDP. I don't know why we keep on doing that. Just so, so uh, undisciplined, not understanding the game plan. This guy's on the ropes right now. And no, it wasn't a great pitch. It was like an elevated like fastball, I believe, or an elevated sinker. And you did exactly what Framber Valdez wanted you to do right there. So... Ah, just uh, sign of the times, and that's what the White Sox do with the bases loaded. 
just fail and struggle most of the time. Right. We got numbers for you to back that up, and we'll talk more about that bottom of the fourth inning. But I agree with White Sox, Tom. I think this is the main thing to take away is they played like a playoff team tonight. The fight never stopped, um, and I think you could see that. Um, it's not like it was a great, rousing rally, but in the bottom of the eighth, you got something. Vaughn ended up grounding out to third base to start off the inning, but then Jimenez walked. We did see Luis Robert, so he's not dead. He is available. He did pinch run for Aloy Jimenez. Then Abreu reached on an infield single, and then the bad stuff started happening. And that's why in the chat right now you see stuff about DFA Moncada and Grandal is washed. Moncada struck out looking, looking at a 2-2 pitch. What would you make of that at bat? Oh, just so frustrating. He's back. Like, I thought, okay, two nights in a row we got clutch Moncada attacking the first pitch of the game of the, uh, at bat. And then the passive Moncada showed up again. Guy had two pitches. He had a filthy fastball that's 99 and then a splitter that kind of floats. The sequence was splitter inside gets Moncada off his feet, and I was like, okay, he's throwing you a pitch inside. What are you thinking now? He's probably going to throw you something away. Now it might be hard. It might be fast. He threw him a splitter away. Perfect pitch. Moncada took that one. Then takes another strike fastball right in the inside, and then 2-2. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Low fastball. It's 99 miles per hour. If you go down swinging, God bless. But just to sit there and take a two strike pitch right there down the middle, it's way too many times this happened with the old Mancata this year and in 2018. I don't like to see it. I can't be too mad at him. He came through the last two days, right. but. I would like him to go down swinging, literally. Well, and I, I always love uh, when Steve Stone's like, oh, Larry Garcia, he leads the team in those infield hits. Um, you know, I mean, Yohan Moncada does truly lead the team in strikeouts looking. Um, this is something Yohan Moncada does. It's something that frustrates the fans. And not only did he strike out looking, there was also a bad Adam Ingle strikeout Ugh. as well. I think that one ended up being in the fourth inning. That ended the threat that we'll talk about a little bit later. But it was three pitches. And, and I mean, he got a pitch the third pitch was a high curveball that he could have taken a swing at. Um, I would say that the 2-2 pitch by Stanek aced him. Um, you know, that was a beautiful pitch, low, outside away, 99 on the black. Great pitch, but again, you got to take the bat off your shoulders. You got to start swinging. You got to know the moment there, and I did end up tweeting, no yo clutch tonight, and I did see someone say like, oh, he had an RBI earlier. He did have a double earlier, but also, the Sox still lose. The Sox needed Moncada to do something in that moment. So, uh, no no clutch moments for Moncada tonight. But uh, let's go to the bottom of the fourth inning and see where the White Sox ended up scoring their two runs. They lose 3-2 to two tonight again, and Framber Valdez was great. Let's actually go to the pitching lines first, uh, Stephen. I'm so sorry. Seven innings pitched for Framber Valdez tonight. Two earned runs. Seven hits allowed three walks and six strikeouts. Michael Kopech on the day, six innings, three earned runs, five hits, two walks, two Ks. We'll get to Kopech in a bit here, but let's go to the bottom of the fourth inning. Eloy Jimenez is up. He takes a strike looking, then takes a ball on a curve low in the dirt, and then Valdez goes back to the sinker, basically in the same spot. Jimenez rips that for a single uh, back up the middle, which was great. And then Jose Abreu, Fantastic mm-hmm. game tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, two for three. I think he ended up walking twice as well. His batting average in the month of August, 
over 353. I'm pretty sure he leads the team in hits in August with 23. He's been fantastic. Um, he just worked the count, um, got a strike looking, then got to a 2-1 count, then swung and missed at a sinker, which he did fairly often uh, tonight. There was a couple big moments where Stanek was up where he could have taken some healthy hacks at some fastballs down the middle. Stays alive, though, fouls off a curveball down the middle, and then doesn't let the curve fool him. The White Sox did very, very poorly against Framber Valdez's curveball. Jose, the best hitter on the White Sox, did a great job, stayed with it, kept the inning alive, first and second for the White Sox. Then Moncada comes up clutch. And I believe that Jose has seven hits on the uh, series, the three-game series so far. So he's got multiple hits in each of these games. It's been fantastic. The 0-2 pitch late in the game where he's fooled and he gets bat on ball, hits it off the shortstop's glove, and they have uh, something working right there with Luis Robert, uh, who's the pinch runner there for Eloy Jimenez. It's been an awesome time for him. August Abreu is a real thing. I wish he would put a, a couple of home runs in there, mix a couple of home runs in there, but the the uh, average and the hits are awesome. Yeah, and, and the walks too. I mean, what he did is end up setting Moncada for this double because Framber couldn't find the zone. Misses with the changeup for ball one, misses with the sinker ball two. Yoan falls off the 2-0 count. It was a sinker down the middle, so good aggressive hack right there yep. in a spot that you should be attacking. Then a curveball that he took, and then a 3-1 count. Hitters count. Here comes Yuan Moncada hitting a double. Um, a great job down the line, the left field line, takes it the opposite way, um, past Bregman, and two runs score, or one run scores, a Jimenez scored, a Bray to third. Then Grandal walked, and Grandal had a, an all right night until the eighth inning, I, I thought. Um, it wasn't the worst night. He had a nice slap down the the, the uh, right field line, or left field line uh, and, and, and from the right-handed spot. That was good to see. Um, had this walk. The eighth inning was rough, but he ends up getting on Bases loaded, one out, Josh Harrison comes up, and here is what really pissed me off because Framber Valdez wasn't able to find it. We told, told you that Grandal walked, Abreu walked. This is from Mike Rankin. Five pitches the White Sox saw after the bases get loaded, after Grandal walked on five pitches to set the bases loaded. Nobody was out. Four pitches later, he's out of the inning after allowing just one run. Harrison swings at the first pitch. It's a ground ball right up the middle. Shortstop to second. Pena to Altuve. Double play. They get out. Abreu ends up scoring, so it's 3-2 White Sox. And then there's the horrible Adam Engel uh, at bat where you have runners, uh, a runner on third, two outs, and he looks at three strikes, just strikes out walks to the dugout, and the White Sox are unable to capitalize on the base load. An awesome game to watch, and the first pitch <laughs> is low, and so the first at-bat that he had, there was a couple questionable calls, and yeah, I understand that there are questionable calls, but that was the first at-bat. The second at-bat, you should understand the umpire has been calling those low pitches and high pitches and wide pitches. He was very inconsistent today, but adjust to what the umpire's zone is. Stop arguing with them. Take the bat off your shoulder and do something with it. And so, yeah, it was a very disappointing uh, at bat right there by uh, Adam Engel. But Mike Rankin from uh, 670 to score and so future Sox, it's a good uh, thing right there. Yeah. Framber Valdez is struggling. You uh, let him off the hook with the first pitch swinging mm -hmm. by Josh Harrison. Just, I don't know what the game plan was there. Like, does somebody talk to him? and say, man, this guy is really struggling with his control and command. How about we see a couple? How about you let him get himself into trouble and let him come to you instead of you jumping out? This is the the problem with the White Sox. They're aggressive in non-aggressive spots or it's not supposed to be aggressive spots and passive in aggressive spots. So 
I mean, Josh has been more, you know, better than he has been poor this year. So it's hard for me to go too hard on him. But also, that is a common theme with the White Sox. And some might say, well, you see the other day where Yoan attacked the first pitch, but that was like a six-pitch walk for Yoan or for Yasmani Grandal before Yoan. So he was like, okay, he's been in and out of the zone, and Yasmani has a good eye to see those close pitches being balls. Yas, uh, Yohan was a good aggressive swing right there because the ball was in the zone, in his zone, and he crushed it. I think um, Fran Valdez threw a sinker in on the hands on Josh Harrison. Did exactly what he wanted him to do. Right, and you know maybe Josh was hoping to pull it down the line, hit a double like he did last night, but it just didn't end up coming through, and it's rough. I mean, I see Derek saying bye-bye division. They're two games back. They yeah. just had a five-game winning streak. I don't really think it's bye-bye division. I don't think you need to give up on this White Sox team. I don't think we saw... Yeah, like I think what we saw was a team with fight, but a team with a horrible game plan and a team with poor coaching, which is something that we have seen. But also, there's still two games back. I see Tim Tam saying, hot take, but maybe I don't think this is the Sox years. Cleveland is a better team. Cleveland's a smarter team. Cleveland is a better coach team, but they're not a more talented team. And at the end of the day, I don't know what's going to win out over 162, if it's going to be the talent or if it's going to be the smartness of an organization. The way the White Sox just played, I think they can handle Cleveland in this upcoming series. I think that they can have a good series in Cleveland and put themselves in a position to either be in front of Cleveland by the end of Sunday or you know, be in first place of the whole entire division. I, I really don't think that I'm discouraged by the way the White Sox played tonight. I haven't really been discouraged by the way they played in the first two games because what is important is winning. You are 2-1 against the Astros in this series, and you are 4-1 since Friday. I will take that. Yeah, and I think this series is also a good uh, uh, stick, a measuring stick for the White Sox. And five and one since Friday. My yeah, friend. and they probably can take this on with the conversation the White Sox had with their leaders. Say, hey, urgency needs to stay at a level. Needs to stay at this level at all times. Never wane. Never go down because we're not playing a, a caliber opponent that we think we need to bring our play up. Keep it at this level. You see how well we've played versus Houston Astros. We see got we got two out of the first three games. Hell, let's go out and get the third of the fourth, third of the fourth game, and then go out to Cleveland and take our division and never give it back. This is stepping on throats. Right. When you have them in front of you, now it's the time to take over. I don't care who they're throwing out there. Tristan McKenzie's been pitching well. Fuck them. Savale, <laughs> crush them. Right. Hey, and you got Bieber as well. That's the other Shane guy. Shane Bieber, mention. you got to him last time. Um, Crush him. And, and here's the thing. I mean, let's let's go into KPW's uh, chat real quick. Um, he ended up saying, we tend to forget that this team doesn't need the division to get in the playoffs this year. They're still two games back in the wild card. It's a fair point from KPW. I just don't think the White Sox will have enough to climb the teams that they have to. They have to climb over the Orioles. They have to climb over the Twins. Um, and they still Blue have Jays to. Blue Jays too, right? Well, yeah. The, the Blue Jays currently sit in that third spot. So yeah. you have to climb the Blue Jays or Rays or Mariners to get there. I just don't think that they will. I think Toronto will end up holding them off. I think the Rays will end up holding them off. I think the Mariners will hold them off. I think those are looking like your three wildcard teams unless the Yankees truly, truly like fall off in shock. I don't think the White Sox are going to be in a position to win a wild card. I think that Minnesota, especially with what just happened with Tyler Malley, they're probably not going to be in competition for that wild card there. And it's really going to come down to the White Sox and Guardians in the AL Central because... This team, I think, to win the wild card, you probably have to be around 90 wins. 
The White Sox just simply aren't getting to 90 wins. No, not, no, not at all. I mean, if they get to 90 wins, they're winning the division. That's that's over. Right. The division's over. So they don't have to worry about the wild card there. Mariners are 65 and 54. They are in the first wild card spot. They're a game and a half above, I believe, the Tampa Bay Rays in second. The Rays are 62 and 53. They're a half game above the Blue Jays, who are in third place at 62 and 54. Sox are two games back at 61 and 57. And the Sox, too. Uh, Orioles plus six run differential. Twins plus 32. Jays plus 47. Rays plus 27. Mariners plus 28. White Sox minus 12. And so, remember, after the White Sox play the Cleveland Guardians on Sunday, they go to Kansas City for a one-game makeup, mm-hmm. and they travel to Baltimore. Right. So it's really, really messed up travel, Cleveland to Kansas City, back out to Baltimore. But the Baltimore People. Orioles in front of the White Sox for one of those uh, playoff spots. This is a tough, tough schedule. The White Sox need to bring their A game. I don't really, I don't really know if it's that tough because, I mean, you look at the, the Houston game. They got one more game against Houston. Tough. Then they got three against Cleveland. Really tough. Then you got Kansas City. Tough because they've beaten us more times than we've beaten them. I guess, but you got Kopech on the mound. You're going up against the lefty. I'm sick. I mean, you're supposed to go up against Daniel Lynch in that game. I understand KP's W's in the chat. I know that's the boogeyman. But if the White Sox aren't able to handle Daniel Lynch, you're not a playoff team. And and they haven't been able to yet. But, I mean, if you have the matchup you just did against Framber Valdez, I, I think you're able to get more lift against Daniel Lynch than you are Framber Valdez. And then you got three against the Orioles. And I see Tim Tim saying Orioles, tough. Yeah. Yes, but they're throwing out Spencer Watkins, Jordan Lyle, um, and, and Austin Voth. They should be able to handle the Orioles pitching. They should have been able to handle the Orioles pitching the last four-game series that they had. I'm about to say, those are the same pitchers that pitch versus the White right. Sox. and they all stink. I mean, yeah. what you got to do is they be win, sh- like. Do they split with the Orioles or lose three out of four? Three out of four. Um, yeah. And with the thing, I mean, the thing with the Orioles, though, the, the Blue Jays just saw this, KPW just saw this, if you're able to outpitch the Orioles and shut down their offense, they can't win games because their pitching is very, very bad. Sounds then they tough. got Baltimore, Arizona, KC, Minnesota. They don't play a true playoff team until Seattle on September 5th. I'm not even counting Cleveland as a playoff team. So outside of Houston, on Thursday, the White Sox probably won't see a playoff team until September 5th. So, I, I, I don't know. It's it, it's definitely not over, folks. Uh, I don't think you need to be uh, hanging up on the White Sox. They just won five straight games. It was one loss. All right, folks? Don't worry too much. Also, don't worry because PointsBet has you covered. PointsBet is counting down the days until the football season kicks off with a new offer every day until the season kicks off. From now until September 8th, PointsBet's Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Sign up for PointsBet now using the code CHGO to get a uh, two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Again, sign up for PointsBet now using code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. And that's not it. If you make a $51 or more dollar first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, like Vinny Duber's articles, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. He just recently wrote an article about Dylan Cease, got exclusive quotes from Liam Hendricks, Lucas Giolito, Ethan Katz, Michael Kopech on the emerging ace in the White Sox rotation. You'll also get access to the CHGO Discord where you get to chat with all of the CHGO personalities in there. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from a CHGO locker. And we have a brand new Psy C shirt. So if you're looking for some new White Sox merch, head over to the CHGO locker, head over to the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. And again, if you make a 51 or more dollar first time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership using the code CHGO. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO 
USGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner, Athletic Greens, has a product I use literally every day. I know Herb uses it literally every day, if not almost every day. Okay. I know our guy... Hey. Luke Steve Stuckmeyer uses it every day. Um, Cody was telling me he's down like 15 pounds since oh, wow. he started doing AG1s. So I started taking AG1s because they supported us here at CHGO. They're helping out our guy Stucky. It is a great way to start my morning. It kind of has a mild tropical taste with one delicious scoop of AG1. I taste those mild tropical tastes. I look forward to each and every morning. And I absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods to help me start my day right. My gut health has been better. My nervous system has been better. I've gotten sick less, and I feel more energetic because when the White Sox lose, AG1 picks me up. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 and two five-star reviews, the extra two coming from Herb and I. I guess Stucky would probably be the 7,000th and third five-star review. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water each and every day. That's it. No needs for millions of different pills and supplements to look out for your health. Herb puts it in his smoothies as well, so you can do water, smoothie, whatever makes it easy. And to make it easy on you, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase of Athletic Greens. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash chgo socks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash chgo socks to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let's go out to Guaranteed Rate Field where we are going to talk to the CHGO White Sox beat writer. It's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. Vinny, what's up with the kid running out on the field? In the ninth inning. He wanted to meet Adam Angle. But guys, <laughs> even if you run out on the field and get a hug from Adam Angle like the kid did tonight, you should not do that because you will end up in jail. <laughs> Vinny, are you a uh, pro tasing kids or anti? I think there's only one correct answer to that question, Herb. I think I have to say that I'm anti-tasing kids. Um, I, oh, again, yes. thank you for the slam dunk uh, question there because there's, there's only one answer. Okay, here, I'll give you another slam dunk question. <laughs> Were the White Sox in a bad mood after the loss tonight? Michael Kopech was. Uh, he was. He was. He was very agitated with himself, um, mad at himself. Uh, you know, I said, I, I, I said to him, I, hey, I go, hey, you're always talking about putting this, trying to put this team in a, in a position to win, about giving them a chance. Uh, three runs, six innings, not, not terrible. That could accomplish that, yes. And he goes, you know, I did bad tonight. He, he thought he was the reason that they didn't have a chance to win. Um, I would, you know, I would argue a little bit, but uh, uh, he was not pleased with that first inning. Uh, the the four-pitch walk to Jose Altuve, you could argue, cost the game, right? That was the difference in the game, maybe, as he went on to steal two bases and score on a sack fly. Um, Kopech took responsibility for both of those steals as well. I mean, obviously, he's the pitcher. He's supposed to be holding the runner on, you know, in the in the uh, most general sense of that. But he thought that he made a bad throw to Romy Gonzalez at second base. Uh, and then he thought his frustration over that bad throw kind of took him out of it a little bit long enough for Jose Altuve to take advantage of his mindset or his uh, his thoughts being elsewhere and, and racing right over to third base. So uh, certainly that was 
capital base running by Jose Altuve as much as everybody in this uh, ballpark and probably every ballpark uh, in the country uh, that isn't in Houston hates Jose Altuve. You got to compliment him for some really heady play there in the first inning. Right. Yeah. He put himself. I mean, that's basically the win right there. That that was the winning run. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's a quality start from Michael Kopech. Six innings, three earned runs. I don't think it was that bad. Did he go more in depth, though, about how he needs to avoid that or, or what he could have done better in that situation with Altuve and keeping that runner at first or even at second in that moment? Yeah, it seemed I, I shouldn't say different, but t- Tony La Russa talked about that and said it's about holding the ball a little longer. Uh, you know, that Michael maybe looked over and, and got a little antsy in trying to pick off Jose Altuve, and that's a, what allowed Jose to take off. So um, I don't know if, if Michael would say the same thing. I don't think he was necessarily talking about what he needs to improve other than, you know, kind of a mindset thing of staying focused, not allowing, you know, one bad thing to snowball because that's what allowed Altuve to get to third base. So, um, the, you know, Tony said that the, the play is hold the ball a little bit longer. That's what Michael needs to do. Michael said he needs to kind of, you know, cue up the focus a little bit more. Did anybody ask Tony, and I applauded him for not bunting Romy Gonzalez, I think it was in the seventh inning, to uh, have a – Yeah, Ingle. Yeah, Ingle move over to second. He swung away, and then Ingle went in too hard into second base to take out uh, Altuve. Did anybody ask him about, you know, not bunting versus bunting there? Uh, they did not. I think. I, I think you know when you look at the the chances that the White Sox had, there were there were two big ones, right? There were there's obviously the bases loaded, nobody out situation in which you know they very much needed to get more than they got uh, with Harrison hitting into that double play. Uh, and then Angle striking out. Um, and then there was that one late, I think it was the eighth, when when Robert was on second base with only one out. You know, you've, you've got him in there for a reason to utilize the speed. Let him utilize the speed. Go ahead and just get get a ball to the outfield and, and let him make the make the play home. So um, those were the two big moments for me. Uh, Tony thought that they hit the ball really well, that they that they that they made good contact against Valdez, that that it was um, a good job of you know, winning the battle against the pitcher, I guess, so to speak, just that they, they, the Astros had a tremendous defense and guys, that was a replay of what we saw in the playoffs last year when the Astros were just making every single play imaginable. They were doing it again tonight. And and Tony credited that, that for being kind of the difference in the White Sox only being able to get two runs. Yeah, Altuve was frustrating, and I know people are uh, frustrated with Grandal um, in the eighth inning. He got on base, got a hit as well, but people are obviously going to focus in on the big moments. Uh, did Grandal or, or did anyone speak about that eighth inning and maybe Grandal's at-bat as well? They did not. We didn't We didn't hear from Yaz, but, uh, I mean, listen, he, he's not the only one, right? I mean, Yohan Moncada is the guy you want up in these situations, you know, you might not have uh, realized it until the last few nights, but numbers are so, so good with runners in scoring position. Uh, and the guy still has a batting average right around, if not under 200. So, um, you know, it, he, he didn't come through either. And it's a team game. The, the, the thing that they always say is, you know, one guy doesn't come through, it's on the next guy to pick him up. When, when nobody can do that, you know, we, we saw Harrison hit into the double play, kind of killed the rally a little bit. Well, there's a guy on third base. Angle can pick him up and, and bring in another run to tie the game. Didn't happen that way. You know, Robert's out there. There's one out. 
uh, Moncada strikes out, Grandel couldn't pick him up. So I, the 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 team tonight was what jumped out to me as not being able to get the job done. You had numerous different guys kind of bring an end to some scoring situations. You just brought up two or three different ones there. So um, you know it 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 is a team team game, and they've got to figure out how to get the job done, even when the individual doesn't come through. I know they don't do moral victories, and I don't necessarily need moral victories uh, for the tonight. I think that tonight they had kind of the right mindset. I felt like the bats, for the most part, except for the angle one and the Mancata in the eighth inning, were good at bats. And the Robin and the uh, now I'm thinking about the Josh Harrison one too uh, to ground into a double play. So. I feel like that the article that you had or the uh, tweets that you sent out earlier about the 10-man uh, leadership council that they had by Tony LaRusso really has worked. Even though they didn't get the W today, I still feel the intensity. I feel the urgency that the White Sox are playing with. Did they say anything about, hey, we're still playing well. Sometimes a better team's going to beat you on nights like these. Absolutely. And I mean, hey, it's baseball. Sometimes a worse team's going to beat you on nice like these. But I think what they can look at is that they were in it to the last swing, right? I mean, it was a one-run game. Romy Gonzalez could have put the ball in the seats and it could have been tied. Um, you know, it is remarkable how they've been able to play and win until tonight, these close games over the, la uh, the last six days uh, against the last three days against a very, very good, if not uh, uh, Astros team that might be just the favorite to win the World Series right now. Um, it is uh, very impressive and very different looking. We haven't seen now for six days uh, kind of a, a drop like we were used to seeing from the White Sox uh, quite often earlier in the season where, sure, they'd have a win, they'd have a nice night where things were exciting, and then the next day, you know, they'd go out there and just be, you know, flat offensively uh, specifically. Uh, we haven't seen that the last week now. And, um, you know, whether you want to credit a team meeting, whether you want to credit just winning and, you know, the momentum gained from winning, uh, you know, both got both both of those things were credited. Liam Hendricks pointed to the results and said, man, it's worked out pretty good. You know, look, look at what this team meeting has brought and it's nothing but wins until this evening. Uh, Tony La Russa said, yeah, we're having more fun because we're winning. And that's what kind of what we've been hearing all year. Right. So uh, that 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 was kind of the key to this team kind of finding itself again. Um I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the meeting uh, is just a coincidence in terms of the terms of its timing, or if it really did have a big effect. Liam Hendricks seemed to have seemed to think that it had a good effect, or at least was maybe a little necessary in kind of writing. You know, make sure making sure everybody was getting on the same page and that the, everybody was feeling the same way about what they needed to do. Certainly, the White Sox are extraordinarily realistic about their situation right now. They know what needs to happen. We heard, you know, uh, we heard Johnny Cueto say earlier this week that they need to win every game, right? That they need to treat everything like a playoff game and I'm walking out of the press box tonight to come down to the press conference and uh you know pass by some fans who are walking out of a suite and one of them says to the other one man this is like a playoff series I mean you know three very close games one late you got scoring chances that are few but huge um it, it, it kind of has. It kind of has looked like a playoff series a little bit, if for no other reason than this is the kind of baseball that you see in the playoffs. And uh, the White Sox are going to be a playoff team. If they're going to want to win some playoff games, they're going to need to learn how to win games like this. And they've been doing that the last few days up until tonight. Did Liam or Tony talk before the game about what was said in that meeting? And do we know who, all the players involved in that uh, team meeting with Tony La Russa? We have guesses, by the way. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you can. I think you can make a pretty good guess at this, um, but I will say we only know of two: Liam Hendricks, who talked about it, and uh, Jose Abreu, who was mentioned by Liam as kind of uh, giving the topic sentence of the meeting, so to speak, kind of diagnosing what the White Sox' biggest problem was. Uh, he said that Jose said that the team's confidence turned into cockiness and that they thought that they were going to go through this entire season just like they did last year and really roll to an AL Central title, that it was going to be easy. Uh, Liam said that they remembered the happy feelings of winning all those games but forgot how hard it was to win all those games last year and that that has really cost them here as they sit, uh, you know, out of first place, if not by much, here uh, in mid-August. So, uh, you know, it, it seemed like it was very much realistic. The message from Tony was all positivity. Everybody, you know, get back on board and, and, and kind of forget about, don't be down, kind of forget about what's happened to this point and, and move forward kind of together and really kind of embrace those values that they've uh, showed so much over the past few years. When it comes to the guys that were in it, you can probably guess, I would imagine, you know, Lucas Giolito was there and Lance Lynn was there and Yasmani Grandal was there. Um, you know, these are easy guesses to make. Obviously, we don't have confirmation, but you look around at some of the leaders on this team or some of the core guys, if you will. I'm sure Tim Anderson uh, was involved if he was healthy enough or if he, you know, his current health issues allowed him to attend. So, you know, this is uh, not a shocking group. We've heard about these kind of situations before, to be honest. Not necessarily where the team needed to be rallied, but we've heard of this leadership group. Uh, I think Rick Hahn said at each of the last two trade deadlines that, you know, they go down and talk to these guys when they talk about making a big move. Last year when when Craig Kimbrell was brought in, you know, it was going over it with this group of leaders, with this, with these, this core group that they've got here. And so, it's no surprise that these guys would be kind of rallied to uh, spread things throughout the entire team. Uh, and I think that uh, if you listen to Liam Hendricks, they certainly think that it worked and they believed in what happened on Friday. Well, and something we talked about in the pregame, Lance Lynn comes in and it seems like Dylan and Michael just gravitate towards the guy. Like the, the first month, like there was nothing cooler than Lance Lynn in April of 2021. And it seems like he took on a great leadership role. We now see Johnny Cueto. I think you referred to it, uh, even though it wasn't maybe voted on, but as the team spokesman uh, in one of your articles. And then we see Kendall Graveman kind of make some comments, I think back in June about the team and what it was like coming over to this team. Josh Harrison said similar things as well. And then also everyone's favorite White Sox, Dallas Keuchel was vocal about the way the team uh, had some leadership maybe issues or tweaks that needed to be made um, I remember or not remember but uh, you tweeted out TLR about the meeting there were a couple of tweaks to uh, how we prepare that were helpful did he go any deeper or any more elaborate on what this team needs to tweak and what the leadership council might have said outside of Abreu saying the cockiness part like is there actual any like game plan strategy that Tony gave away probably not no, and I mean, I'll, I'll be quite honest, for the most part, to, uh, Tony's comments on the meeting seemed to really kind of uh, suggest that it didn't really have any sort of big changes at all, um, that there wasn't really anything that was very different from what has been being talked about all year. And I'm sure to a degree that that's true because I think these guys all know what needed to happen. They know what they were lacking. You know, I don't think people walked into a leadership meeting of a team that they've been on for the last five and a half months, if you include spring training, and said, oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't notice that. Like, I, I would imagine that they were realistic about it, but sometimes talking about it helps. Um, Tony actually said, you know, uh, 
you know, in, in regards to what was going on in there. Yeah, there was a little, there were a few things that maybe were, were helpful in, in moving forward. But in general, the stuff that was being talked about is the stuff that's been being talked about all year, that's been preached all year, that the team has shown all year. Tony obviously has been very complimentary of the attitude uh, that this team has had, you know, throughout the season, even when the results weren't there. Um, Liam Hendricks talking about the things that Johnny Cueto said, said, you know, it's not really any different or so much different than some of the other comments that have been made by by himself and some of the other players on this team uh, throughout this losing period that they that they had here for four months. Um, but, you know, coming from a guy like that who, who you know, knows what he's talking about because he's been around the block and he's won uh, is, is, you know, made some guys perk up. So um, I'm not sure that this is some sort of uh, team meeting that results in a dramatic overhaul of approach or anything like that. But I think to make sure that everybody is uh, on the same page, has the right feeling, has the right attitude. I think that that uh, check-in more than anything, maybe you should call it a check-in instead of a meeting. Uh, and, and that'll kind of uh, re- adjust expectations a little bit. Um, but certainly guys thought that it was a positive experience and, and they were happy that, uh, that Tony called it. Saw Luis Robert pinch run for Aloy Jimenez in the eighth inning. So obviously his legs work, the wrist must be feeling a little bit better. What is his status moving forward? Is he just day to day, or maybe he'll be starting tomorrow in the in the uh, rec- on the last game of the Houston series? Uh, do not expect him to start tomorrow in the last game of the Houston series. Uh, Tony, I asked Tony Larusa about Luis after the game. Before the game, he had told us that. Uh, Luis had some inflammation after swinging yesterday and received an injection uh, that was not specified of, of what the injection was of. So I'll, I'll head that question off of the past. Um, but uh, that they weren't going to have him swing today so he could kind of get rid of some of that soreness and make sure that that inflammation calmed down, uh, you know, running the base. in the hand that he injured, right? Yeah, when he swings. Right. Okay. Um, he obviously ran tonight. His legs work fine. As I said yesterday, as Tony told us yesterday, uh, the, that the swinging, the hand when he swings is the only thing that they're worried about right now. Um, but after not having him swing today, they are going to want to work him out tomorrow and see how he feels tomorrow. Uh, Tony said it was very unlikely that he would play tomorrow, maybe Friday, but he didn't know. They have to see what happens with the workout on Thursday. And then with Rob, I mean, well, Let's go to Leary first. Was there any update on Leary? Uh, obviously, he was placed on the IL. Romy gets called up. Um, what are the moves there, and was there any update on Leary's health at this point? Yeah, I mean, the things that have been bothering Leary that everybody has noticed when he's been playing uh, kind of caught up to him a little bit, and I think it was just too much for uh, you know for him to keep soldiering on, or the team thought that way at least. Uh, Tony LaRusso said that they're very optimistic he'll be back in 10 days, that you know the, the, the 10 days should be enough to get this fixed. Um, in the meantime, you got Romy Gonzalez up, and, and he impressed a bit today in, his, in, in getting that start. Uh, you know, they're kind of looking for anything that can help with this shortstop uh, situation right now, while Tim Anderson is on the injured list. Obviously, Lenin Sosa did not really do enough to to kind of, uh, you know, warrant continued to be run out there as a starter every single day. They went to Leuri. Leuri can't play because he's because he's too sore. Um, and so they're moving on to uh, option number three, I guess, and that's Romy Gonzalez, and we'll see how much run he gets and if he can, uh, you know, at least carve out some sort of role in which he can keep the position afloat kind of while TA uh, heals up. Um was there, there was more to that question, I'm sure, wasn't there? Luis Robert, you got more on Luis? 
Uh, no, well, Luis is all good. I just wanted to check in on Romy and, and uh, Leary, but I do want to check out, you said, you know, plan uh, three, I think, now with Romy uh, getting the call up. But plan four might have given uh, made itself clear for the White Sox. Uh, uh, A's end up releasing Elvis Andrews uh, today. Do we think that the White Sox will be players in that market? I think that he would be a nice addition, 1.3 war this year. Um, since, I think, June 24th, he's got an OPS over 777. Um, so he could bring a veteran bat, and he's played with Josh Harrison, so he passes the mandatory uh, Rick Hahn Clubhouse vibe check. Uh, do we think that Elvis Andrews could be celebrating Elvis night, as uh, Layla Rahimi said on uh, August 26th here at Chicago, uh, in Chicago, uh, guaranteed Rayfield? Illinois. Illinois is the state you were looking for. Thank there. you. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I think that uh, I think that obviously it's crossed their mind. I think it would make uh, it would be very surprising if they didn't try to look into whether something was going to work for them or not. And Tony LaRusso said as much earlier today when he was kind of asked point blank, hey, do you think the, the team is going to look outside the organization to, 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 to at some of these shortstops that have been released? And he said, yeah, I'm sure they're going to look, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but uh, you know, the, this, they would not be, they would not be doing their job if uh, you know, they didn't deliver on the thing they always say they're doing, which is looking at every single opportunity to make the team better. Um, obviously uh, until today, when Romy Gonzalez came up, what was uh, there for shortstop the last uh, week or so since Tim has been out was not getting the job done. So uh, if there's an opportunity, there's an opportunity, and uh, we'll see if it comes to uh, fruition or not. That's all I got for you, Vinny. Well, I got more for you. Uh, we saw John Greenberg. Saw You're pulling out a Frank Zappa record today, and then you post the haul from Pinwheel Records. Why don't you take us through uh, what you got today? <laughs> Pinwheel Records, the first time I'd been there, down, in, down on 18th in Pilsen. Uh, obviously – pinwheel uh you know i saw some white Sox bobbleheads throughout there saw the uh, they've got little, little buttons i think you could buy that is pinwheel records but it's the 83 Sox logo uh so yeah i have a feeling that that is a socks themed record store but it was fantastic it was a nice uh, nice experience I, I definitely would recommend anybody to go check that out uh i did get uh i, I got cheap trick illinois own uh at budokan i got uh war i got a war record there that's my first war record um yeah. Well, well, this version of war is good for a lot of things. Um, but uh, got Elvis, Aloha from Hawaii, uh, Leonard Skinner, give me back my bullets, Rod Stewart, Gasoline Alley. So it was a uh, it was a nice day. I, you know, I carved out a little time to head down to Pilsen uh, before uh, before heading down to the ballpark today. And so uh, it was a nice little uh, way to kill uh, an hour and a half or so uh, there on the south side. I'm jealous of the Aloha from Hawaii one, so uh, have fun spinning that one. Uh, but I hope you had a, a good day walking around uh, Pilsen there, and uh, hope it was a good day at the park. I know that one kid that ran on the field uh, got to meet Adam Engel, his hero, uh, so he had a good day. So you know, at least we can leave uh, on a good note that way. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speculate. I, I'm hoping he left on a good note. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed no. to run on the field. So, uh, you know, if well, that I, mean, I hurt. You know, Herb wants to tase him. Hopefully he's avoiding jail tonight, uh, at the least. Oh, the kid's going to jail? I don't know. I mean, that's uh, what Vinny's saying. I mean, you know? that's I mean, what you do if you run on the field, you go to jail. And assaulting Adam Ingle, too? Goodness gracious. <laughs> kid's a menace. Is, seriously, when, when all you got to do to get a suspension uh, when, you, when you argue with an umpire is have the brim of your helmet touch the brim of his hat, 
this kid touched a baseball player. I don't I don't even know what the punishment is going to be for that. He must be Anthony Rizzo's like nephew or something because Anthony Rizzo's is out, out here touching umps uh, yesterday. He's putting his whole hand on his shoulder and everything. Oh, yeah. So, oh, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just, just special privileges for special people. You know, Vinny? Um, it, it's, it's, it's everywhere in the world. Anyways, uh, that's Vinny Duber. He's a CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber, and he will be joining us tomorrow from the ballpark when we have Lucas Giolito versus Luis Garcia. Talk to you tomorrow, Vinny. See you, guys. Adios. And today, it is now time to tell you about the PointsBet Pick of the Week. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $51 or more dollar deposit, uh, first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. It is time for our PointsBet Pick of the Week. I would urge you to check out CHGO Bets Daily because our guy Cody Delmendo in his last eight hit parlays is six for two. These are plus money hit parlays. So go check out CHGO Bets Daily and go get your uh, your your betting tips from my guy Cody. But None I had you? A, huh? None from you? Uh, you know, I dabble. And, and one of the ones I dabbled in was I got a parlay, and you can't place this bet now because the game's going on, but in the Giants-Diamondbacks game, I took the Giants run line and Carlos Erdan to strike out 10-plus. He had 11 strikeouts. Giants are currently winning 2-1. to one. Hopefully, hopefully they can push across another run. But tomorrow, I think the White Sox should probably hit a home run. Uh, I haven't had a home run yet great. against the Astros. So let's just get one tomorrow. So how about that's your pick of the week? Go pick a, uh, a White Sox player to hit a home run. Put some money down on the PointsBet app, and hopefully you win some money, and you'll be very, very happy. You'll also be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life at PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. It is time. Do we have the video? Yeah, I can get that for you right now. All right. It is time to see what we were talking about with Adam Engel and the kid in the ninth inning. All we saw on the screen, Herb, was just Reynaldo Lopez. Yes. And I had no idea what was going on. And it was probably about a two-minute delay. Yeah, I knew there was a person on the field. But you uh, alerted me because you were looking at Twitter and you said, oh, it was a kid on the field. I was like, tase him. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the field. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. It was taking a long time for them to get, to get that kid off the field. Yeah. They were treating him. With kid gloves. Well, and, and they were treating him with kids glo- kid gloves, and if you tase the kid, it's probably easier to pick up the, t- the kid Much and easier. get him off the field. So uh, let's watch the kid run around in the outfield of the White Sox-Astros game today. Just jumping up and down, and now he's running towards the bullpen right by the catch sign. And this is after Adam Engel, uh, the Adam Engel hug, but... He's running around and runs right into the security guards, but I don't understand. Tase him, first off. But those security guards are coming from the left field line. Yeah. It, it, he's out in center field. How is it taking that long to get to him? Let's hurry this up. They're in no rush. It's a kid. They don't want to you know, frighten him, probably, firstly. And then, secondly, they don't want to have to tackle him. So the kid gives himself up. Uh, it'll be a nice. Nice night in the stripey hole. See, for the kid, I would love if that kid gave him a couple jukes, like a little whoop, little Chris Berman whoop, whoop, whoop. whoop, whoop. Uh, That would have been great. Uh, And I want to give a shout out to uh, who is the uh, the the username? Bobby Mason. Bobby Mason. Bobby Mason at three twenty five underscore Hawks. So thank you, Bobby, for the uh, the shot of the kid running on the field. 
Ridiculous stuff. Where are your parents, kid? Why aren't you in school? This is why school starts in August now, Herb. This is why you were telling uh, parents not to bring their kids to the baseball game. A, they're going to get hit with five balls. Always. And B, they're going to be jerks and run out in the field. I mean, you know, we can't do anything to the kid because it's a child, a, a innocent child there mm-hmm. who's jumped over the fence. Not that innocent. But whoever's parents or guardians, they probably should get some uh, some uh, banning from the ballpark for a certain period of time, and maybe they should spend a night in a stripey hole. Put them in jail. I uh, mean, because, like, you can't really do anything to the kid. I mean, he <laughs> that's half the thing. Like, he knows he pretty much has immunity. They're not going to throw him in jail. They're going to give him a, hey, don't run on the field anymore, kid. Who are your parents? And they're going to like, oh, that guy over there. And it's like one of the Legues again. It's like, oh, God, the Legue had a kid? Oh, no. You know, I'm thinking the parents probably encouraged it. Oh, yeah. Why? You, well, you, you think the kid just jumped? You're banned from life, Yeah, buddy. but they, the parents also know he's not going to have any repercussions for it. That, oh, that's not true. I, I always was tempted as a kid to run out in the field and, and, and go do that. And I, I it was always like, oh, I see those security guards. There's no way I'm taking that shot, chance. Um, Paul is incorrect for this one. Our guy Paul correct, uh, incorrect on this one. Not shame on the fans for cheering him out. Go up to what he said a little bit earlier. He, 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 by the way, that kid is being groomed to tackle a first base coach someday. Taze him and his father. Boom. Yeah, that's Knock what I'm it off, He's, Paul. I'm, That's what I'm saying. He's in the goo. He's a like, you, you kid. Ne- you never know what these maniacs can do. If you're bold enough to run on the field, you never know. So this is why we are hashtag tase the kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, I was you're well, endorsing it. Well, before I knew it was a kid, I was like, why don't they tase that person? And oh, then Sean man. said, it's a kid. I was like, okay. <laughs> Still a person, right? Yeah, hey, still Sorry, a person. Kid. Electricity um, runs through your body, too. And I will of need... Of course, I'm kidding. I don't want any letters. No. Don't send me any mean things. Don't send Jake or Kevin anything. Herb looks to tell his kids. I don't. If, if they're never, out on the field, they should I've never tased one period. kid in my life. Yeah. Not one. I, I, and I can back that up. I'm not looking to do one. <laughs> not looking to tase a child. Uh, the famous quote from Herb Lawrence. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something important here, Stephen. If you can go to John Hayman's I just did. Twitter, I got it. Uh, you want to just pull it up on the on the screen and, and, yeah. and show it to us? I'll do that. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. I, I sent it in the, the, the chat, but just type in John Heyman uh, right there. It, it should work. Uh, because he's reporting that Elvis Andrus, we just asked Vinny about it, but he is in talks with the White Sox, per John Heyman, Herb's best friend. Oh, he's the greatest. Um, at John Heyman, White Sox are likely landing spot for Elvis Andrus. In talks, nothing official yet. It's, so it's not going to happen. It's just talks. John, hey, this isn't Bob. John Heyman's reporting not happening. Yeah, this isn't Bob. I, I trust John <laughs> a little bit more with this stuff. Um, as I mentioned. There's enough in, water carrying, so you should get some uh, good scoops. Hey, hey, oh, you said it, not me. Uh, in the past 41 come games after you? for Elvis Andres. I don't know. He's going to call you and tell you he's going to block you? Yeah. He already, he followed me and unfollowed me. He he saw a couple of my tweets and was like, oh, I don't need to be following this kid. Uh, he real real great teammate over there at Odyssey. Um, anyways, in the forty one games, the last forty one games, Elvis Andrews has played. Uh, he's hit two seventy two. 336, 441. That's an OPS of 777. Eight doubles, five home runs. His eight home runs would be tied for fifth for the White Sox lead with Jake Berger. I would be thrilled if Elvis Andrews was a White Sox. Yeah, I'll be fine with it. I'm not thrilled. I'll be like, all right, that's a nice replacement for Tim Anderson slash Danny Mendick slash Larry Garcia. You get major league 
ability at shortstop with both the bat and the glove. You don't have to roll dice on Romy. You don't have to roll dice on Sosa. You can be rest assured that you're going to get something that's going to be representative of a Major League Baseball player at short. I don't think he's going to be earth-shattering great. He's just going to be like, oh, man, it's good to have Elvis out there. It's nice to have a solid sound shortstop out there. And when he comes up to bat, hopefully he can bring some of that, what you're talking about, that 777 OPS in the last couple games. Well, not only the 777 OPS in the last 41 games, uh, but uh, as Clark said earlier, uh, you know, Rick Hahn bargain bin shopping again. This is one hell of a bargain. This is a guy that did not want to be in Oakland, was making a lot of money, and that team is extremely bad and wants to play their younger players. This guy, I would say it, and I said it on the pregame show, I'm going to say it again, Herb, your reaction of what I said last time didn't scare me of saying it again. This could be the offensive Johnny Cueto. I think that this is such a fantastic signing. This is going to be a guy that's motivated. He's played with Josh Harrison before. They've had success being at shortstop and second base. He is an upgrade over Romy. He yes. is an upgrade over Lenin. He's not an upgrade over Tim Anderson, but he's an upgrade over even Leary Garcia. He oh, improves yeah. your team. What I asked for at the trade deadline was improve the depth of this team. We see the depth be improved. Jake Diekman comes out. You traded Reese McGuire for Jake Diekman. That was a great use of your depth. He didn't do enough, though. He would be getting bailed out if the White Sox signed Elvis Andrews. 2017, at the shortstop position, seven outs above average. In 2018, three outs above average. Since 20, uh, 2019, 11 outs above average. 2020, minus two outs above average. 2021, six outs above average. 2022, zero outs above average. But that just means he's basically field or uh, major league average. Yep. I would love major league average defense from a White Sox shortstop. Tim Anderson's made a ton of errors this year. Elvis Andrews can step in and play a professional shortstop. I would love, love to see that for the White Sox. Love it. Probably see him Friday night in Cleveland if this uh, deal is consummated eventually because tomorrow's game is a 110 game. I don't see him uh, flying out from Oakland, getting the, the um, physical done and being suited up for the White Sox a uh, Astros game tomorrow, but yeah, on the weekend in Cleveland, I'll love to see him as a White Sox shortstop starting for the majority of the games down the stretch while Tim is out. It should be fun. Um, let's go to some other stuff here. Uh, let's go to some stats and let's go to the bases loaded. Um, we ended up talking about Josh Harrison failing in that position. This is the White Sox with the bases loaded this year. A 220 batting average. That is 25th in the league. Bad. They have 28 strikeouts with the bases good. loaded. That's the fourth most in the league. Oh, bad. That's not good. Sorry. Uh, way to runs created plus 60. That is 24th in the league. Bad. Their slugging percentage, 308. Oof. That's 26th in the league. Terrible. Ground ball rate, 52.9%. That is second in the league. And yay. I mean, that's not good, but yay, we're second. We're second. Uh, and hey, you're first. Uh, infield fly ball rate. They have a 31.6% infield fly ball rate. With, with the, the bases, bases loaded. loaded. What is the most like brutal thing to do with the bases loaded is to pop up on the infield. It does nothing for you. This team is pathetic with the bases loaded. They have one home run. It's Luis Robert, and he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. I just, <laughs> it's perplexing how poor they are with the bases loaded. Like we're talking about where Yoan Mancata has clutch genes. They choke when the bases are loaded for the most part. I don't know what happens. It's just the tightest of booties. 
so sad. I, I, yeah. TBS, as I call it. <laughs> tight booty syndrome. Tight booty syndrome. Uh, there's taking care of business like Elvis Andrews, and then there's tight booty syndrome. Uh, and it's not very funny. Our guy Daniel Gamboa asking his salary, uh, his being Elvis, is 6.7. How much are the Sox going to pay uh, of that portion? Now, I'm not sure, but the way that I have understood yeah. baseball rules for my entire life is the White Sox, or the, the, the A's released Elvis Andrews. They released him, so they did not designate him for assignment. So if a team was to pick him up on waivers, then they would be um, responsible for his salary. Uh, correct. But since they released him, and since he is a major league player with multiple years of service time, he can refuse an assignment. I think that he is now just a free agent. I think they released him from his organization. They released him from the contract. The White Sox, if they signed him, would be signing him to a completely new deal. I think... If I'm not mistaken, the A's will have to pay for that contract, but the White Sox can sign at a veteran minimum. Yeah, so uh, if it's a waiver claim, it's full salary. Yeah. If it's a free agent deal, it's league minimum. So if it is a free agent deal, which I think if they were releasing him, uh, it would be league minimum. So uh, I don't think we have to worry too much about yeah. the White Sox worrying about a the, drop in the, bucket. the salary. Exactly. It's prorated at that. Yes, exactly. And it's only for a, a couple games here. So I, I'd be excited for Elvis Andrews coming to the south side if it was to happen. Uh, final things here. I want to go to some clutch from Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly's been fantastic in his last 14 outings. Uh, this is back in June or July, July 14th, I think it was. July 8th. Um, in his last 14 outings, 13 innings, an ERA of 138, a whip of .692, wow. 18 strikeouts in 13 innings, opponent's batting average 113, filthy. and 29 whiffs in 13 innings. You're saying filthy. He threw a curveball that was at 91 miles per hour, Unfair. had 3,000 RPM of spin. Disgusting. Just unfair. And I remember White Sox fans just being very frustrated with him early in the season because he wasn't performing. He was walking the yard. He wasn't doing the things that we had been told that Joe Kelly was doing. And especially White Sox fans were mad because of the $27 million in the offseason spent on relievers. And one of them was Joe Kelly, who did not get the job done. Now you're seeing the Joe Kelly that was promised even more. This is a dominant pitcher in the bullpen for the most part lately has just been otherworldly. You got Joe Kelly for his last 14 start, 13 appearance, 14 appearances being this filthy. We uh, touched on Jimmy Lambert being filthy, unscored mm -hmm. on in 13 of his last 14 appearances. Raylo? Raylo came in today also filthy kid fucking oh. interrupted his, his steelo <laughs> today. That's another reason why that kid should get uh, tasered. But yeah, and well, then uh, what? I how many um, how many saves has Liam converted in a row? Like eighteen in a row? Oh, he's been money. Yeah, yeah. he's been nails. And and he, here's the other thing too. Graveman's been pretty decent. I got this. I want you to guess this pitcher. Over the last two months, and this is from Alex Root, our guy. This bullpen, White Sox bullpen pitcher, twenty two innings pitched, two forty five ERA, a two twenty five FIP, ten point two K per nine, and a two point four five walk per nine. I'm going to go with Jose Ruiz. Jose Ruiz. Boom. Where's the weak spot? Vince Velasquez in this bullpen? And he did well, too, the All other right. day. Hey, so, um, you know, maybe Rick Hahn spending $27 million or 27% of his uh, budget on this uh, this bullpen makes some sense. And Jake Diekman, too. Uh, he's been he's been great as a lefty uh, coming out of the bullpen for the White Sox. That's all good for the playoffs. White Sox have been getting great pitching. I know Michael Kopech was upset with his outing. I think he should be upset about 
Jose First, Altuve? Yeah. That, that's his fault. Um, that, that was the worst thing that he did. Even the throw to second base, it hit Romy in the mitt. Um, so he's being nice, bailing out the rookie guy uh, right there. That was a good throw by Kopech. Romy mm, needs to throw catch is, that and tag questionable. it. questionable. Could have been better, but yeah. uh, it's still. And he didn't step off the mound in time and deliver right. a good throw, so he could have got him out. That's why they call it a stolen base instead of an error on Romy, because uh, Altuve had such a huge jump on that one, and then uh, he stole third, like the next pitch. Right, <laughs> and, and yeah, Kopech just needs to be better in those situations. But I do want to talk about this. Um, no home runs tonight from either team, but Sarah Lang tweeted out last year, um, and I think this, let me get the date for you guys. Um, the date was during the postseason. Now Twitter's taking forever to load. Oh, great. Uh, November 2nd, 2021, uh, at 10.42 p.m., she tweeted, teams to out homer opponents were 25-2 and two this postseason. So we see in the past three games, the White Sox, no home runs. And that's why I really, I don't know if I buy the White Sox being back or I I buy the White Sox being able to be a contender in the postseason this year because, yes, they were able to sneak out those wins uh, on Monday and Tuesday. But still, you need those big moments. You need that one big at-bat. You need that home run with the bases loaded where the White Sox have only gotten one this year. They need that clutch, big two-run, three-run, four-run home run. Uh, I, I really have just been really frustrated with that, but 25-2 and two teams were last year when uh, out-homering out their opponents. But on the opposite side, I don't believe the Astros have hit a home run in this series, right? Uh, Altuve hit oh, one yeah, on I forgot, Tuesday. I forgot about Tuve. Fucking Tuve, he's the worst. Right. But we won that game. So, yes, yes. in the playoffs, power, uh, selective power is king. And, you know, of course – Starting pitcher and bullpen. The bull, the uh, the White Sox have that. They have the starting pitchers to get the job done, and the bullpen we just went over. Now they need to put together the power. They have the ability to do it. It's just so frustrating that they come up time and time after again, and they're just hitting singles. Some could be attributed to their goddamn uh, hitting coach who has this team hitting singles like he has his Marlins teams back in the day hitting singles. So... They need to change their approach. Maybe another meeting needs to be <laughs> with the hitters, and the hitters Check need to it. say, hey, guys, um, just get under the ball a little bit more. You know, <laughs> just slightly underneath the ball, lift that ball in the air. Not Kyle Tucker, 45-degree angle in the air. Well, hit it like 37. Hey. And hit it like 105 miles per hour. That'll go out. Aloy hit one to the track. Kyle Tucker's 45-degree launch angle one went a little bit further. How about my man's? Andrew, oh, Andrew Vaughn. Vaughn jumping up there. <laughs> I thought it was gone 100%, and then Andrew Vaughn just made me nervous. Like, is it gone? Yeah. He just, like, didn't know, and then he just kind of half-jumped and caught the ball. It's like, hey, man, as long as in the glove, brother. I think someone <laughs> said you. that uh, they saw Vaughn mumbling to Ingle, I can't jump. <laughs> after after he heard that, so uh, that was good. Oh yeah, and there, there's Clark saying uh, everyone sees Vaughn after his catch at the wall. Um, I can't jump. We also saw AJ Pollock mumber, mumble, "You stupid bitch!" I think at Yuli uh, Gurriel after he flew out to him, uh, which was a ga- uh, great catch by White Sox. Ken and we remember Twitter. that because Yuri Gurriel is the one that made the offensive uh, yes. gesture to you, Darvish, who was the teammate of AJ Pollock at the time at with the Dodgers. So he, there's probably some hatred there because of that specific incident and the Astros too. Maybe. Um, I, I wouldn't put it past him. I don't know if AJ was AJ on the 2017 team. I believe so. He's been on the was he on Dodgers for, that for a minute now. Um, but just looking at the whole uh, pitching stuff here, the White Sox aren't winning a playoff game if they go up against Fran Valdez and they allow him to do what he did tonight. Ten ground balls to two fly balls. The White Sox or oh, the Astros. You're right. 
He was on the D-backs at yeah, that time. Yeah, I was about to say. I, I, and they, I was looking. He, he hadn't faced Valdez too much. I thought he would have um, in the postseason, but they didn't meet up because uh, it was the uh, the Dodgers got knocked out by the Braves last year. And I, I don't think the Astros have made it to the World Series since 2017. Oh, so it, it's been a while. Um, I mean, they, did they make it to the – did they make it to in 2017? 2017, yeah, it was Astros Dodgers. Was, it, was that real? Oh well, they made it. Uh, okay. it. It might be scrubbed from the record, but then Dodgers, Red Sox in '18, Nationals, who? Nationals, Red Sox? No. I don't know who made it in 2019. Who, I, who I, the I Nationals beat? Scrubbed them Anyways. from my head. The Dodgers probably. Rays. Oh no, Dodgers. That was that was League. Dodgers Rays in 2020. 2020. And then I it was I, 2021. It was Braves. And Astros, so it was Nationals and Astros, yeah. So, so Pollock didn't play him too often. But looking to the postseason, last year teams that out homered their opponents twenty five and two. The White Sox are not going to do that if you know they're hitting ten ground balls against the starting pitcher. They did have seven hits and three walks against Valdez, but again, only two earned runs for Valdez on the night, Bobby's and that's because they were just hitting a ton, a ton of ground balls tonight. Kopech allowed fly, uh, 10 fly balls to six ground balls. Uh, not good enough, and, and it's just not where the White Sox need to be uh, if they want to overtake it. But Michael Kopech has been fantastic. Um, he had a hitless streak Astros going. love losing in the World Series. They, they do love losing in so the World shit. Series. Uh, more power to them. Um, but Michael Kopech, we know that he went six innings, um, no, no hits, three walks, 11 Ks versus the Tigers. This would actually be eight and two-thirds because going back to his third start against Kansas City, the last batter he faced, he got out. So it wasn't really a, a long streak. I really didn't want to count it, but you could technically say it was eight and two-thirds of an innings. 12 strikeouts, four walks, one run. Michael Kopech. I mean... And pissed about his outing today. Right. What else do we have to say about this guy? We wanted six innings, three earned runs. He gave you six innings, three earned runs. I'm not upset with that, Michael. You're not a starter. You made a you made a rookie mistake in my mind with the Altuve and, and, and the running around on the bases stuff. But outside of that, you went out there and did your job. I've been so happy. I've been so impressed with Michael Kopech. Things aren't perfect for him just yet, but it's year one. And if he's doing this in year one, he's able to stay healthy. He's able to take all of what he can from Lance Lynn and, and, and Johnny Cueto. Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech, I'd say that's a pretty good one, too, for the future. I don't know about you, Herb. I'm really fine with it. I'm really good with it because these guys are not just throwers. You can see the strikeout numbers are dwindling for both of the guys. They're coming back to earth. And so they have to find different ways to get guys out. And, yes, Michael Kopech, I think his main bugaboo is that first inning. See, he walked Tuve, I think, pretty much in five pitches where he just couldn't find it. I don't know what he needs to do before the game, simulate a first inning so he can just get those pitches out of his system, find the grip. And I know it's different because the mound in the bullpen is different than the mound out there uh, on the field. So maybe he needs uh, to transport that mound on the field back onto the bullpen so he gets the same field because that first inning is usually his bugaboo. After that, he settles in and learns how to pitch, how to get hitters out. And this is a very impressive uh, outing for him where he didn't get the strikeout and he wasn't pinpoint. It has been more times than not with Michael as of late that he doesn't have his great stuff, but he's learning. He's learning on the job as a first-year starter, and it's uh, encouraging to see because you know it's coming. What do you say is uh, batting averages against uh, coming into the game? Sub 200? Mm -hmm. He just... Filthy. 
the guys, even when they put bats a ball, are not seeing him well. He just has to learn that. And we saw those quotes earlier from Lucas Giolito about, or uh, Liam Hendricks about Dylan Cease, where he's like, the guy has no ceiling. It's limitless. Once he knows that, he'll even go further and, and farther. That's the same thing with Michael Kopech. Now, he doesn't have the filthiness that Dylan Cease has with the slider, but his stuff is filthy too. I think he needs to get that mental adjustment and say, hey, man, you're the shit. Right. No one can touch you. Throw the ball over the plate. Fuck them. Yes. I, throw I it over the plate. Throw this curve over the plate. Throw a slider. Throw the changeup. Whatever you want. They can't touch you. When, they do, when you throw it over the plate, well, they ain't seeing you, bro. I mean, even I, I said it, and I, I thought immediately about the dead and balls. In the actual sack fly that Jordan Alvarez hit, I said to you and Steven, you did. if he gets a fastball over Good. the middle of the plate and he's able to handle it, it's going 486 feet, and he's breaking the stack cast record of your mean Mercedes' longest home run in guaranteed rate field history. Well, they're going to, yeah. But then he hits it to left field. He, he goes with what the White Sox have been doing poorly. He goes opposite field power, and it just dies out on the warning track. But that's a pitch middle-middle, 97 miles per hour, and you just can't hit that. I mean, like, what we have seen is that elite, elite velocity, that elite, elite tail is very, very difficult oh. for major league pitchers to, uh, major league hitters to pick up. Michael Kopech just has something natural, great, uh, you know, un- uncoachable. He just needs to figure out the slider. Just filthy, like you said, the late tail, too. Mm-hmm. 97 with late tail. It's just unfair. And once uh, Alvarez hit that ball, I was like, God damn it, Sean's right. <laughs> and then I don't know if it was the atmosphere in the ballpark or the dead balls, yeah. as you said, or maybe both. But that ball only going to the warning tracks surprised the fuck out of me. I was like, Oof, that man has great power. He's got the – he's been the hardest-hitting guy in the league. He's hits the ball hard 61% of the time this year. I was like, that's gone. That's really gone. Yeah, and uh, batting batting average versus uh, Kopech one ninety five. Pretty good. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to get to him. Somebody's got to get in his mind and his face and say, Michael, I know you're not trying to walk people. Three walks today, all right, it's fine, it's cool, but you shouldn't walk a motherfucker. Well, these people can't hit you. I wonder too about just his mechanics in general, because I mean, even Tom says you know he needs to figure out his leg kick and, and, and to be able to hold on runners. Stoney was talking about that with a slide step and, and, and figuring out that. I do just wonder, though, like if he's mastered the mechanics and, and can master it over six innings. Like I still think that's a work in progress. We were talking about that with Justin Verlander, how his repeatable mm-hmm. mechanics, no matter the pitch, he's center of the mound. Like every time I watched him, I watched him in a couple of games before this one, Every single time, same place. He lands in the same place with his uh, his push-off leg, and his kick leg is the same. It's like the same uh, mechanics. His arm comes out the mostly the same slot. And then for him to reach back last night, 99 miles per hour, right. in, in the 99th pitch, that's what Michael Kopech can look forward to. He's, he's you know, Justin Furland's is otherworldly talent, but... Tell me that Michael Kopech doesn't have well, that. And look at the base. Look at the base of Verlander. Verlander's got such a strong base, bottom, legs, calves. Kopech's got the same thing. Yeah. I mean, Kopech is built like a truck. And that will be that will come eventually because we remember Verlander did win the rookie of the year, but he wasn't this initially. He had to has some growing pains. He was always like, Yeah, that that's that dude, but he was never like, okay, Cy Young. And then eventually he got the Cy Young. And then eventually he got the MVP in that same year. And then 
at 39 is probably going to win the Cy C. So Cy, Cy Young yeah. Award. I, mean, I already named the Cy C Award. The Cy Young Award yet. this year because of, firstly, the 39 years old. Secondly, because he's coming back from an injury. And thirdly, because he's got the best stats right as of right now. Hopefully, Cy C just comes out and throws all zeros for the rest of the thing and makes this a competition because, you know, giving up three runs, people are soured on him. Like, like giving up three runs is some shit to fucking, oh, Mike, uh, Cease crumbled under the right. pressure. No, he didn't. No, we, Three runs to the Astros is a great day, just like Michael Kopech had with one more inning. We talked about it on the pregame show. If Dylan Cease's fastball was average last night, just average, just average, he would have gone seven innings. He would have dominated that lineup. I wouldn't have been worried about Dylan Cease at all. That slider was working. He, he's been fantastic so far. Um, we got about 90 people watching. Really appreciate everybody. It's time to wrap up this show. We are at 29 likes. So if you can help us get to 30 likes, at least 30 likes. We're not asking for one. Just one more like. We'd appreciate it. That would be great to help us out. We love the support of CHGO. And, you know, we had the largest live viewership yesterday when they win. People are excited when this team wins. You also see the ballpark, though. Playoff atmosphere, but only 18,000 in the park on Monday, 23,000 in the park on Tuesday. Clearly, the White Sox fans are desperate for wins. Hopefully, this player's meeting is a sign of things to change. Hopefully, the White Sox continue to play with this fire and intensity, and hopefully, they start hitting the ball in the air. The GM said it back on August 2nd, and they still aren't doing it. You need to hit the ball in the air for this team to go far. Can they win the division without doing that? Yes. But this team and these fans have hoped for much, much more, and the White Sox need to step it up. We'll see if that happens. We'll see if they can bounce back tomorrow. It's Lucas Giolito versus Luis Garcia in the rubber match of the four-game series. Not the rubber match. Not the rubber match, but I didn't know what to say. It's the final match, final game of the four-game series. We will see if the White Sox are able to win three of four or if they split another series. There is a pregame tomorrow at 1230, so join Herb and I. You can follow Herb on Twitter at EchnerWall23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And you can watch tomorrow at 1230 as we will preview Giolito versus Garcia. And then we will also have a postgame show for you where Vinny Duber will join us from Guaranteed Ray Field. Herb and I will be here to recap the game as well and talk to you about the final, whether the Sox win 3 of 4 or whether they split with the Astros. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for his production of this broadcast. And thank you to everybody for hanging out with us. Blank name is a die, uh, die hard, a uh, ride or die. Uh, Alex, KPW, Clark, Paul, White Sox, Tom, uh, all of you guys hanging out with us. Shyrock, Bobby as well. Um, uh, Ra- Raul as well. Raul Green. All of you guys hanging out with us. We appreciate your consistent support of us and the White Sox. And we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you to Fleetwood Max uh, 1979 album Tusk. We'll yeah. talk to you tomorrow. Go White Sox.